Welcome to Musician. I'm your host, Andrew LaPau. Let's start the show. Get on that bird and go. I want to be like the highway. A boss in this state, we do it my way. It's raining out there, so why play? Welcome to another installment of Musician, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, I interview Kyle Pudens and Kaylee Moyer of the band The Chromatics, a duo that formed um, a few years ago at Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, Kyle plays the violin, Kaylee plays the drums, and they work out all these cool arrangements of loops, and it's just really high-energy instrumental music. So, without further ado, here's my interview with The Chromatics. Enjoy. freshman year at Belmont, right? Mm-hmm. So But it was more like in the spring that we it was it was in that. the spring. So it's kinda like coming up on three years, I guess. Three years. Yeah. Okay. And you met you met freshman year at Belmont. Are you yeah. the same year at Belmont? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. I just graduated early in December. And now Kaylee, where do you come from? Syracuse, New York. Oh right. Yeah. Sweet. I'm from New Rochelle, New York. <laughs> cool. So we're kinda neighbors, not at all. <laughs> but you Syracuse is like how how north of Albany is that? Of, of Albany? Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of like a northwest. I, anyway, I love upstate New York. Mm-hmm. Like, that is... I lived in Poughkeepsie for four years, and uh, I don't know. 
It's got good nature up there. Did you just want to get out of there, though? Well, I've always kind of wanted to move to Nashville, I guess. I've been coming down here um, kind of once a year on family vacation, starting when I was like 13 years old or so, and I'd always mm-hmm. come down to Nashville, and we'd make it a family vacation, and every year I'd say, I want to go to Nashville, take lessons at Forkstrom Closet, and I always really liked the city, and then I found out Belmont was here, it just kind of made sense to finally move here when I was 18. And, you used, and you've been playing drums for how long? Since I was 10. So Since you were 10? Yeah, I was 11 years this Christmas. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> So you've you officially passed the mark then where you've been playing for more than half your life. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one for me. I remember being really happy when that happened. It felt sort of accomplished. <laughs> yeah, but it's, you're just going to start feeling like you're old. After yeah. A while. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm like, when people, how long have you been playing? I'm like, well, more than half my life, but way more than half my life, and I'm just old now. Which is cool if you're eight and you started when you're three, but <laughs> <laughs> that was not the case for me. Yeah, I, um... When I, I guess I started on and off 12, 13, 14, never taking it seriously mm-hmm. until finally one day the hammer fell. But um, I want to know, like, because your band is a very um, original sounding band. You put a lot of covers, you do a lot of cover songs on, and you put them on YouTube. Yeah. And you're getting some buzz. Like, you get a lot of hits on YouTube. Yeah, yeah we're doing all right. Um, what. What was the um, the impetus for the band? Like, what did were you guys just jamming in a in a dorm room at one point, and you said, "Hey, let's we should make a band," or did you or did someone come with a concept and say, "I want you to play drums," or "I want you to play fiddle" for this idea? That am, I am I allowed to say it was my concept? Is that was. is that fair? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, well, yeah. Uh, while I was at Belmont my freshman year, um, I was studying with a guy named Tracy Silverman, um, mm. who is like legendary electric violinist. I think the BBC called him like literally the world's best electric violinist. He's the only person to have a concerto commission for him on electric violin, and he's had like five of them now. Um, but so he's really big on electric violin, and um, a big part of his when he does solo shows is looping. Mm-hmm. And he does loop arrangements of, uh, he really likes like Stevie Wonder tunes and Hendrix tunes and things that you wouldn't expect from this guy who kind of came out of the classical tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was really inspired, like when I was in high school to start doing those looper arrangements. And actually when I auditioned at Belmont, I did a looper arrangement of a Lincoln Park song, if you uh, can believe it. Yeah. And, um, so I'd been writing a bunch of these looper arrangements and it was really fun and I really enjoyed it. And it kind of pushes you as a musician cause you have to. It's like you have to think outside of the box, but yet also in the box because you're confined to whatever you've put down and you have to use that. So it, it kind of stretches you to find new ways to do things. But there was always a certain limit to it because from the rhythmic end, from like the percussive end, there was only so much that I could do in a loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and so moving through my freshman year at Belmont, I was doing more and more of these loop arrangements and I was like, it would be really cool if I had a second person. Mm-hmm. that wasn't on the loop that could do percussion or drums or rhythmic stuff and then change the feel while I have the same loop but that yields just a whole new world of possibilities of how you could shape the arrangement that's interesting because when it comes to fiddle and drums in the traditional sense the drums are staying pretty static in what they're doing and the fiddle is allowed to improvise and go yeah, off yeah it's it's almost a reversal of that it sounds like it yeah um, especially at the beginning so i had this arrangement of paradise by coldplay and i really loved the drum beat to that song it was just it just really made it for me and i was like there's no way i can do that on violin and so i asked her if she wanted to play it for me and 
make a YouTube video just kind of for the fun of it. And um, so we went out to my house and we recorded it and put up the video on YouTube, just kind of like, let's see what happened to this. I mean, it was pretty much a day long process. The, oh, yeah. the, the first time of putting two people on a looper pedal was a bit of an adventure to say the least. Mm-hmm. But um, you we, go through the you go through one loop station between the both of you. Um, yeah, not with the drums, but um, when she does, and now when we've extended to her doing like washboard and keys and some other stuff, we do use the same loop station. But so the first date was interesting, and it took us a while, and it was definitely a labor of love. But they don't exactly teach you how to drum to loops like this. No, they all don't. All the, it's not yeah. even created to a click. I'm not. I had to learn to listen to the different layers of his loops to figure out which side I listened to for the tempo, and it was kind of a learning experience, I guess. <laughs> it, it does sound like uh, you had you had some experience uh, before. Like I know you and I, when we were on the road together and stuff, like we could just talk about whatever music yeah. technology everything yeah. that's going on ipad apps yeah and, i was and, I've, I've always been very much a tech guy ever since i crossed into like the electric violin thing i've always been really interested in that so and and what were what were your roots you know of music what were you listening to what did you want to be on drums when you were growing up oh man when i first started i guess i was more into 80s metal and 80s rock Oh shit, that's awesome. Which is why we actually got along so well, because we were both really into My favorite band is Rush, so listening to Neil Peart and his drumming, of course, just expanded my mind and everything I could do on drums. And then um, halfway through middle school, I got recruited to the middle school jazz ensemble, Uh and then I was a big jazz freak. And that totally changed your sound up. Absolutely. I went, or I reverted going from, I only want to play Metallica to now I only want to play, you know, Duke Ellington, or just, I'm a jazz nerd now. Sam Woodyard on drums. <laughs> so I was big that. into jazz music, and that kind of started to blend into my pop and my rock drumming. And then I decided last minute to go to a commercial school instead of like a jazz school for my drumming, so I can kind of combine everything. Yeah. So, but nothing really prepared me for what I was about to start doing with Kyle. Mm-hmm. He told me what he wanted to do, and I'm like, this doesn't sound very. I don't know how we would do this. It's just a little crazy. Well, and I was, and the, the backstory is I'd tried it with other drummers before. Like I've been in bands with some drummers that I really liked, and I've been like, hey, like play along with this loop song, and it just ended in catastrophe every time. Like none of them could even get close to doing it right. By the time you got three or four times through the loop, they'd be off by an eighth note. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I needed someone who could listen, and I don't know. Something about you told me that you could listen. So. Maybe because I'm a girl. <laughs> I didn't say that either. <laughs> no, no. And, and it wasn't easy at first. Like I said, that first video took us the entire day and so many takes because we don't like to go through and do any editing later. It's just we want a complete live take, mistakes and all, but we want to get the best take possible of it. So nowadays, we can get a video within just a few takes yeah, we'll, and we'll, take a couple hours instead of the entire morning. We'll, we'll just do okay. four or five takes and just pick the best one. Um, it's, but it's taken three years to get but in a, in a, yeah, in the, in the first the first video it was like do ten takes fail at nine of them the tenth one we actually ended together it was like that's it <laughs> I, I had no idea that you were doing this until I saw you post on Facebook your Imagine Dragons cover oh, and I thought yeah. that was that was a good one yeah um, and uh, yeah that was really impressive because I didn't think anybody was really doing that in Nashville you know or Belmont but it's cool that you get to have that kind of a growth 
in Belmont around the community of Belmont to encourage you yeah. to do that, right? Because didn't you, know, you just do a showcase at Belmont? Uh, yeah, we actually just played the commercial music showcase on February 2nd, mm-hmm. and we were the first instrumental duo ever to make it into that showcase, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. It it's usually singer-songwriter. Oh, it's it's always country singers. It's country you know? singers. Okay. And they usually take that singer and then kind of build a really large band or ensemble to play behind them. Yeah. Right. But for us, we're kind of like the package deal. We're just part of our novelty I guess is just having the two of us and then we play everything live so we don't have any pre-recorded tracks or anything going on so it was completely different show than I think it they was, were used to it was really the opposite of really any showcase that I've ever seen at Belmont um it was us there was a swing band that played as well mm-hmm. gnarly parkers which mm-hmm. I mean they were like straight out of the 1930s yeah <laughs> sweet very cool yes it's like trad Tra- traditional jazz, like New Orleans jazz, or like big band stuff? Uh, kind of, I guess, a mix between the New Orleans and kind okay. of the, It was a good in between. It was still a little bit modern. A little well. bit, yeah, a little bit of like an arch top, kind of a gypsy jazz feel. In a okay. Yeah, gypsy jazz is a better way to put it. Cool. So, um, so are you both majoring in the same? Or you just graduated, mm-hmm. Kyle, and are you still at Belmont, or did yes, you graduate? Yes, I'll graduate in May. Okay. I'm there for commercial percussion performance, mm-hmm. so mostly drum set, because you can either go for classical or commercial, but I'm here for commercial. Great. Mostly positive experience for you at the school? Yeah. Great. That's good. I this is like a advertisement for Belmont University. We, well, we get to, we both got to study with the people we've always wanted. I mean, to study yeah, with. the the applied faculty. I feel like is really what did it for me yeah. because getting to spend three out of my four years of that school basically one on one with Tracy Silverman, who's like yeah. the electric violin guy. It just gave me so much more to do with the instrument. It was funny because we had that gig together, and then I don't even know that was must have been the spring. Like it was spring. It was it was a late ago. spring, early summer kind of yeah. Yeah, a year and a half ago, and um, <laughs> we had the. It was like the worst gig. It, it was and, pretty bad. I still tell stories about that. One. <laughs> and then the next uh, that was semester, the I was teaching. Song, yeah, songwriting yeah, at Belmont. I was, and and I, was I was like, how did they let you in, man? Like, <laughs> We're gonna cut that part out. Um, <laughs> But that was, uh, no, but really, my, my time teaching at Belmont was, uh, I hope it continues um, as an adjunct, but uh, just like the, the quality and talent of students is just just phenomenal. Like, And you were teaching um, composition, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, some great, really great, uh, talented students. And I was even like just really trying to push them out of the box and get them to compose things that they would never think about composing. Yeah. Um, anyway, so now you've been a band for three years and what's, what's the next thing for you? You have this YouTube channel and you have many videos. You have over 10 videos. Well, we have like 18 now. 18 videos. Okay. And what's your most popular video? Uh, that is a cover of, uh, Pompeii by Bastille. Okay. I just crossed 50,000 likes. Yeah. Nice. Or 50,000 hits. 50,000 hits. Yeah. And and how does that just do? You, how do you get that type of attention on YouTube? Or is it from your subscribers? Um, you, now you can tell we're starting to get a little bit more of a like a ramped up attention from our subscribers um, because now when we post an original song, it actually gets hits. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually, when you post an original, you'll get like ten hits in two years because nobody knows what it is. 
Um, so the, the really, the way to drum up the likes for your page is to do covers of popular songs. Um, but the timing's really important. But the timing yeah. is super important and also the type of songs because they're, when you think about the YouTube community, there are certain genres that YouTube viewers, uh, in specific will gravitate more towards. And, um, so that's why our most popular videos are actually that one. And then, um, Madness by Muse. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about that, they're like, they're popular songs, but they're not, pop songs uh they're they're the type of songs that people will look for cover videos of and um so there's there's not i'm sure that if you really broke it down you could find a little bit of a recipe for what's gonna hit well as a youtube cover but for us it's kind of like is this the type of song that the piano guys would cover or that pentatonics would cover or you know something like that it's Mm -hmm. it's just different enough to be Shapeable. Your, your song, the, your song choice is a, eclectic. To yes. Say the least. Yes. Yeah. Um, it, would you ever? Would you ever just? Uh, does it have to really speak to you the song to cover, or would you just cover like? I don't know. Shake it off, just because that's a hugely popular. I popular would do that because I love. That we song. we actually <laughs> are doing a Taylor Swift cover. That's our next project. Uh, that's gonna be our next video, and okay. actually we're debuting it at our show this Wednesday. Okay. Do you want to say what it is? Or are you gonna wait till the show? Uh, we'll wait until the show. Okay. Show. Oh, so we're playing this one. So. It's not one of the singles. I'll just put it that way. Okay, it's so it's, it's, it's an album singles. track. Yeah. No. Gotcha. We we're like if we're gonna do a Taylor Swift cover, we're gonna do one of the songs that we do really deep like. Cuts. But there yeah. was a, <laughs> there's a big opportunity to expand on that song. Like there's so much we could do with it, looping wise drum set wise some of our tunes may not lend themselves as well to the kind of arrangements we do but that one really had a whole lot of room to do some fun stuff so cool. that's kind of why we went with that one it spoke to us as so well. it's already arranged yes re- already rehearsed it's, it. it's, yeah. we're gonna do it for the first time live and then do a video after at some point yeah so how so walk me through the uh, arranging process of of a chromatics <laughs> cover song it different every time, I, I think. Guess. We just but first we have to settle on a song. Usually it's one yeah, of like, it's, have you heard this song on the radio yet? It's brand new. It's really fun. Yeah, it's picking <laughs> the song is almost the hardest part. Um, and then usually I'll go in because it takes a while to get the looping figured out. It's just it's such a tap dancing process with the pedal board even that mm-hmm. it just takes a little bit of thought and a little bit of effort. I usually draw out a chart of the song and I'll kind of highlight like these are the licks that I want to use in the loop. These are the licks that I need to play outside the loop. These are the sounds that I'm going for. I'll go in, I'll build some delay patches that sound kind of like what's on the record to give you that feel. And um, then I'll work on getting the actual loops down and kind of come in with with a rough chart of this is where it's going to go here. But then I take it into rehearsal with her and she goes... That's not going to work. That's not going to work. That's stupid. What are you playing there? <laughs> <laughs> and then we... Uh, we so change. Kaylee is the editing process. Yes. She, she's well, the kind editing of, process. Because I have to be able to listen to certain layers of his loops to play along with since I don't have a clip going on. So there always has to be some sort of loop in there that's either higher in pitch or a little bit more rhythmic. So that's kind of my metronome. You're not playing to a with. click at all. No. Mm-mm. He he builds a loop, and we either make it so that I'm playing with him, and he builds a loop so it's a consistent tempo, or he has to build it by himself, but with some sort of like a tap delay. So that yeah, can... tap delays are really a lifesaver in uh-huh. the looping world. But it's really um, had to open up my ears to be able to play with him, because I have to listen for a bass line or listen for a specific like high-frequency kind of a loop that's going on so I can play along with it. When I'm used to, mm-hmm. at school or in a recording session, having to listen to a click, this is the one time I don't get to mm-hmm. and the one time I wish I could but that's what it's taken so long to get used to it yeah that's interesting that you don't because you uh, I know this band called live footage out of Brooklyn and they're a cello drum duo and they they are all kind of run through the same click machine did you ever mm-hmm. consider doing that or do you just want to like 
Are you are you comfortable the way you're doing it now? We're getting more. I mean, I really am kind of comfortable with how we do it now, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of trust involved for sure. But as long as we have a good mix in our ears, yeah. that's the easiest part. But and, and do you tap a do you tap the tempo before you start a loop? Yeah. Well, I use um. <laughs> Shameless product placement. I use a Strymon Timeline delay pedal. Okay. Uh, so I usually have patches just set for specific songs and the tempo already in, in mm-hmm. BPM. So it flashes a light and it, does it yeah. make a click in your ear? Or? No, no. It just flashes a light and then as I start to play, I'll adjust and then build the loop once I've got kind of synced in. Gotcha. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've got the Line 6 DL4 mm-hmm. delay pedal. It gives you like 24 seconds of looping and... That was always tough. I would only play it out on solo shows, but there is no like flashing light. You just have to know when to hit it, yeah. have good time yourself, yeah. and be able to hit it just that millisecond before you think you're supposed to hit it. Yep, it's and like, that that commercial showcase show really pushed us to 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 really tighten that up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it was like, here's your 15 minutes, you got to impress them. So it's like, don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got down to the point where I even had charts for every song on the set that told me what beat of what bar I was lifting my foot and sitting it down on. Yeah, uh, And it got real intense. But then once you've done that, and once you put in the time on it, it's really amazing how flexible you feel on stage because you're just not even thinking about that mm-hmm. anymore. So how much improvisation is there in, in your group? Depends on the tune. I think there's more on the originals than there are on the cover tunes. And I feel like the first few days of us even working on a new tune, it's just a whole lot of 15-minute long songs, us trying to figure out how many that, just to get through all of our ideas, and then kind of deciding what will fit into seven minutes or less. (laughs) When when you bring in a new tune, how much of it is just you guys rocking out on the song, or do you really want to get it perfect, and you're just like talking through it, like, or do you just jam for an hour and then work it out it's it's different with everyone there are definitely some originals that we have jammed for an hour and then yeah. been like oh that was an hour long like we'd better <laughs> but it went to so many awesome places yeah yeah and then you're trying to remember how you got to those awesome places yeah well it's hard to kind of like force that type of chemistry in a jam you know it just kind of happens and that's yeah. what makes mm-hmm. that's what makes just playing music such a pleasure instead of being in an audience like you really got to hold on like if you're going to see a band jam you really got to be there yeah. to go see that band jam yeah. um but if you're just in practice room and jamming that's that's the shit um what do you have coming up uh other than you got a wednesday show and yeah where's we're, that gonna be? we're playing this wednesday night at the cave oh cool um, all with, right with dynamo actually who you've probably heard of good yeah. friends of mine yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so that's going to be a really fun gig. Um, I don't really know what we've got lined up after that at this point. We, at this point. We've got a couple venues that we're kind of talking to about getting stuff later in the spring, but I know you have a recital coming up, and that's going to be just as demanding for me as it is for you, yes. probably, because you're going to make me play, April like... April 19th. <laughs> senior recital? Yes. Oh, so I'm going to have a couple of our duet tunes on there. So and am you're I gonna basically make me play. just taking you out of the practice room for, you know, <laughs> just to do this and you're going to go right back? Is that how serious you are about this recital? Absolutely. Well, yeah. tonight I might watch a little bit of the Grammys. And oh, yeah, right. The Grammys of, are tonight. A little bit yeah. of playing. But, um, yeah, a lot of the work, I feel like, the last few months has just been leading up to the showcase. Mm-hmm. And then when that was over on Monday night, it's just yeah. kind of been brain dead this whole last week. <laughs> just, I can imagine. Yeah, a whole lot of work went into that. What do you have to do for your senior recital? Well, I want to go... We need to do a pretty diverse set of genres. Mm-hmm. So I want to do... Uh, 
pay homage to my favorite drummer in band, Olivia Strangato. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about a nine and a half minute long uh, Rush instrumental tune. Okay. I want to do a Phil Collins tune. I want to do maybe an Earth, Wind & Fire medley, a possible Taylor Swift medley, I would think. I can, where I can beef up the drums a bit. Mm-hmm. A couple other surprises, some duet features between the two of us. Uh-huh. Can't give it all away, but it's yeah, going to yeah, be... Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, I think it's going to be a pretty epic recital. <laughs> Great. Been thinking about it for the last few years to get it ready. The only question is, are you going to make me play three instruments, four instruments, or five instruments? <laughs> I don't know. You're going to be playing almost everything. I'm going to be playing a lot of different things. <laughs> yes. Not just chromatics. I'll it's a drum set yeah. recital, but I mean, I'm going to have a full band, and it's going to be pretty, pretty intense. And then you'll be done with college. Yes. You'll be done. Yeah, that's, an eight, that's a April 19th, and then I graduate in May, and then... And there's no grad school? No. Yeah. It's going to be right going into playing. So. Yes. Sweet. Yes. Do that. Um, do you have uh, Do you have a manager or a nope. booking agent? Um, I feel like you guys could take this on the road, I mean, and play shows and, you know, waste all your money on gas and <laughs> yeah. hotels. And, yeah, you know, I think but, right now we're both, we're both struggling with the conflict of doing the chromatics more versus making more money to just plays well, a side man <laughs> well kyle you, you're an in-demand utility yeah. player yeah fiddle player you play mandolin you play keyboard you play guitar. <laughs> well yeah i played keyboard on one gig one time and that was the awful gig <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. i try to i try to avoid the keyboard it's really more of a violin guitar mandolin combo <laughs> okay all right, but I mean, you can hold it down. I saw you hold it down. Yeah, keyboard. as long as it can be done on one hand, I can think it through a little bit. <laughs> um, so, so what are your gigs like these days? Um, well, it's hilarious, but I've been telling people, and it's absolutely true, that I spent four years studying violin at Belmont, and then I came out, and most of the gigs that I've gotten are on guitar. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, been doing a lot of, like, acoustic guitar, just, like, accompaniment stuff, and, mm-hmm. like, radio tours, and okay. kind of small songwriters' nights, and that, that yeah. kind of stuff, just as an accompanist. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also playing some country fiddle. Um, I've been with a guy named Lance Carpenter since about August of last year, and he's kind of up in his touring schedule a little bit, doing some festivals this summer. Um, and then also play with a guy named Billy Dawson, uh, who he's kind of a country rock hybrid. Okay. Um, and his band is just superb. And we don't play a whole ton of gigs, but the ones that we do play are really big. So it's it's fun to kind of step up to that level every once in a while. And I'm hoping to see more stuff like that in the future. Great. And where are you from originally? I'm from Missouri. Missouri? Mm-hmm. What part? Uh, Columbia. Okay. I, I've only been to Kansas City, really. And, yeah, you uh, probably drove through it on the way there. Oh, okay, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been through, been through Missouri a bit. And what did you, when did you pick up fiddle? Was that your first instrument? Yeah, uh, when I was eight, mm-hmm. I actually started on it. In, you know, like school band and school uh, orchestra? Actually, no. Um, I was a Suzuki kid. Oh. Yeah, so huh. I, was, I was taking private lessons outside of school. I actually didn't start playing in the school orchestra until I was in like the 6th and 7th grade. Do you believe the Suzuki method to be the most effective in, in teaching? Well, you know, there's been, you may or may not be leading the end of this, but there's been a lot of controversy over that recently. Yeah, uh, what, what is that controversy? You've got, well, you've got Mark O'Connor, um, who's a legendary Nashville fiddle player and was one of the A-list guys forever and now just pretty much goes out and does his own thing, like solo stuff. He okay. does kind of Americana fiddle concertos. Is Mark O'Connor allowed to play on all the George Strait records and like 
I don't know his credit list specifically, mm-hmm. um, but I just know he was in basically late 80s, early 90s. He was the Nashville guy. Yeah. And then he went out and just started doing his own solo thing. But so he has what he's calling the O'Connor method, which is similar to the Suzuki method, but different. And I actually got to see him, speaking of Belmont and the interesting opportunities there, I got to see him do a lecture on it at Belmont uh-huh. um, last year. But so guys like that are claiming that the Suzuki method is a little bit too restrictive in certain ways and that it doesn't teach people improvisation. Okay. Um, but that makes for, sense. For me, it was just, I mean, learning by ear naturally led to yeah, improv exactly. for me. Um, so I don't, I think it just depends on the teacher. And I had a really great teacher who understood that I yeah. wanted to do other things and didn't inhibit exactly. me and tell me you can't make up stuff on your own. You yeah, know? it's like some people are into CrossFit. Some people just are not. Yeah. Whatever works, you know? But I I mean, I liked it a lot better than learning through the school because we didn't start by learning to read music. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the biggest advantages that I have as a player is the fact that I can operate by sound before sight. And I think that being a Suzuki kid was a lot of what went into that. And you're in the right city then because, you know, you go, you try to find an orchestra to join. It's like, you got to be. 2020 vision on the page yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I think we should get some playing in. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, this has been awesome, and I'm really excited to set you guys up and, and see what you lay down. All right. <laughs> Sounds yeah. good. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We would also like to say a quick thanks to our sponsors at uh, Risen Amplifiers, Creation Audio Labs, Visual Sound, RLX Acoustics. Uh, Sleeshman Drum Company, Mother Tone, Drum Tax, Humesenberg, Drum Cases, um, Prentice Practice Pads, Erasers.
There you have it, the chromatics in studio performance. If you can catch them live, I highly suggest it. They put on a great show. Have a good week, everybody.